Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Second down and seven. Takes the clock all the way down. Hands the ball off. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Jay Ajayi. Better about it now. Well, oh, uh-oh, yeah, the boo birds are out. Love is a fleeting thing. All right, so Mackie and Judd right now for the remainder of today's program will be uh, Judd, Manny, and Declan producing. Matthew Collar checking out. Has to go out to the uh, TCO Performance Center to cover the uh, Vikings as they get prepared for Sunday's game. Um, you just heard a couple of snippets from last night's opener uh, between the yeah. Eagles and Falcons. Actually, you know what? It was a good finish. Yeah. The game itself was horribly played. It was it was very similar to their game last year in the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, came down to the last play. And... So my question for you, sir, is this: What, if anything, in your mind, do you have any ideas for? And I don't for what can be done about the fact that preseason is now used basically not to play starters. Like, we're getting more and more. I think the Rams basically didn't play their guys. We're getting more and more, and I get it. They don't want to get guys hurt. And mm-hmm. I don't I, And I don't want guys hurt either. But that has led to basically a September month of football that is a preseason for starters. And unless you've got an idea, I feel like we're stuck. I feel like we're stuck with this which is the Falcons-Eagles, which if you took this game and transplanted it into Week 8, would probably be a really fun game and Mm -hmm. good game. Now, the finish was exciting, but the game was awful. 26 combined penalties. It was ragged. It was the Falcons in the red zone. Julio Jones, what should have been a catch. We'll we'll get to that, that too. I've got that here. But, I mean, just as far as the overall product, do you have any ideas? Because it just feels to me like we are stuck with three or four weeks now of... You know, basically bad football. Well, and it didn't bad help. Play. It didn't help too. And people are going to say, "Well, it's the first week, so it's not that big of a deal." But Judd, these Thursday night games. I, I, but the Thursday night openers aren't always yeah, like this. They're, they're not. This yeah, was that's just true. so ragged. And the other, th- but this, I think, because of what preseason has turned into. Yep. And then you start out the season with. A Thursday night game, like you're just not. These teams are not getting enough time to to prepare and get themselves sharp because they're not they're not playing in the preseason. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now get out there on a Thursday night before Week One mm-hmm. and play, mm-hmm. play full speed. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I, I I don't know, man. It, it, I, 
What do you do? That's that's, that's the biggest what question. What, I, what do you do? I don't I know no, what you do. I have no ideas at this point because I don't want guys playing more in exhibition games because right. I don't want guys being hurt. The other problem that you now run into, along with just sort of sloppy play because guys have not played football in so long, is they're dead tired too. Mm-hmm. Like these, they're not conditioned. They'll build up the conditioning eventually. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Is you've got mm-hmm. three or four weeks of basically getting into shape and getting sharp, and that leaves you with a game like last night, which which has a compelling ending to it. It's not like it was a blowout. So the the end the ending is. It's not like I didn't stay up, and you know I did not turn that game off. So they still got me, but. My goodness, trying to watch that at times Matt last night. Matt Ryan looked awful I know he last did. night. He I looked know. awful. This is a guy that was the MVP of the league two years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah, he was terrible. He was awful last night. He looked terrible. Nick Foles was abysmal. Passer ratings from last night. Matt Ryan, 57.4. Nick Foles, 50.7. You're, you're dead on right. I just I don't know what the solution here is to not have this happen for about three weeks of the season. Oh, and yeah. and let's get to your uh let's get to your grape. Matt Ryan's got him. Line pulls left. He goes right. Jones gonna get underneath it. Julio Jones covered by Jalen Mills, but he's out of bounds. Came down with it, but he's no, on he the wasn't. chalk and it's second and ten incomplete. Now that one's not excusable. That there's no what I thought. What is the point of replay? Well, and I thought we clarified this. Yeah. During, well, starting in the Super Bowl when we applied common sense to catches, and then in the off season, I thought we clarified and cleaned this up. I believe I thought our main issue was going to be ejections for illegal hits. Mm-hmm. Um, that catch last night, we're right back to where we started, and I catch. don't, I don't understand what was a catch. But this isn't. To to quote you about the wolves, this one's not that difficult. It's not. I mean it. It was a catch when the ball first got to Julio Jones, and I cannot believe I'm going to spend a minute trying to actually break down this sequence of a play. The ball gets to Julio Jones. He bobbles it a little bit. He comes. He comes down to the ground. He gets control of it. He's got it like kind of on his shoulder, but he's got both hands on the goes, ball, and it sort of slides up towards his. Mass. But he still has but it. He still has it. He still has it, and then he slides out of bounds. Yep. You get three thousand different angles of this. Mm-hmm. The replay crew—they're looking at the same things that that NBC is showing us. Yep. They're getting the same looks at it, and it's nope, incomplete. Like what? Okay, if that if that is and this is the issue that I have with replay. If if a play like that can't be looked at and called a catch, why do we have replay? Why do we have replay? Why do you waste five minutes of our time? Why do you delay five minutes of the game if you're going to look at that from seven different angles and still call it an incomplete pass? What is the point of having having challenges and replay and all of that stuff if? But I thought if it's just going to be a farce. Well, and I really, I guess I I shouldn't be shocked. I believed that we, starting with the Super Bowl, had begun to say let's apply, let's just common use, sense. Let's like just use said. our brains here. The Zach the Zach Ertz touchdown. Yeah. The Clement the Clements touch, touchdown when he caught in the back and which the ball kind of moved, which in but week he had eight it of last year and not touchdowns. 
Both those yeah. both those are not catches in week yep. eight of last year. And and then I firmly believe that Goodell said we cannot we cannot have the Super Bowl impacted by by some skittish person being like, Well, it might not be a catch. But last night that's right back to that's right back to the and, very and, starting point. And here we are and again. By, and by the way, right too, back where we were and last here's year. the other thing too. And this might sound nuts, but when in doubt, it's Julio Jones, it's a catch. Like, like this isn't some third receiver who might have tricked you and Bob. This is Julio Jones. He's as good as it possibly gets, right? When you when you consider the catches that he made in the Super yeah. Bowl two years ago, no, no, I know. Yeah, that's. But, but yeah, I mean, every it's Julio every, Jones. Yeah. That that was that everything about that entire play last night screamed, "Let it stand, let it stand," in real time. Let it stand, and now we're going to have this controversy again. The NFL for I mean, it's a billion dollar business and it's the most popular sport in the country and I get all, all that, but how on earth do you have a league that consistently can't get out of its own way in situations like this where it shouldn't even be this shouldn't even be a discussion today that should have been a catch it should have stood yeah. we at the time we're we probably right back would have to said where it, we were last year right and at the time if that had stood last night at that moment we all would have said hey you know what they got it right awesome let's move on we've moved on and instead who's the idiot who's like well did you see the ball slightly and on scott van pelt's espn show after last night's game he had somebody being like well you could see the ball sort of move at the very oh end no no you no no you can't no you can't you know what's funny you're you're and and you're right. That's the point that you that the replay, the anti-replay people are exactly right. Th- then just right. don't do what, that. What's the point? And you know what's really funny? If they had initially ruled it a catch and reviewed it, it would have stood. They wouldn't. They weren't. They wouldn't have changed it. And and I would say this too. I'm disappointed. The on the field call was not correct as well. Because yeah. that ball was all that ball. If you watch the the um, the catch itself play out, that ball is in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Like he's not. You he's can not see it. It's ducking, not covered up right, by an he's not arm ducking it. or yep. yeah. That's in plain sight. It's just stuff like he's that. on his back and sliding out of bounds, but he has the ball. Yep. He has it. It's a catch. Yes. So stupid. I love the fact. I love this. Feel better about it now. Well, oh, uh oh, yeah, the boo birds are out. Love is a fleeting thing. I think Vikings fans would not have truly believed Eagles fans were crazy until the yeah. until a lot of them went to the link last year for the conference championship game and saw. But they learned their lesson the hard way, didn't they? They did. And they should have. And and hey, listen. On this station, I told people because I've been yep. there before. Don't do not wear your garb. But I've never been there, but I've heard plenty of stories. You know what? I've been to Phillies, um, Phillies Flyers, not Sixers. I've been to three of the four sports. The Sixers fans are probably the tamest. And I was going to say the Flyers fans seemed very tame. I went really? to a Saturday night game against the Caps, and they were pretty tame. It it was fine. Mm-hmm. I went to a Phillies Marlins game a few Aprils ago when uh, when Jess and I were out there for the Frozen Four. Nice stadium once again. They're they're big time fans, blue collar but pretty tame. I mean nothing nothing terrible. Now I'm sure if it's a playoff game it's different. But anyway, mm-hmm. the point being the one place where you take your life in your hands is Lincoln Financial Field. They're crazy, yeah. and and the fact that they booed their team at halftime of a game. 
after the year after, one game after, they've won the Super Bowl. They, they, they're that crazy. Could you imagine? For football. Could you imagine? Did you ever go to the vet? No, I wish. Could you imagine, though, if, could you imagine, okay, if, if Eagles fans are the way they are at Lincoln Financial Field, oh, could no. you imagine how they were at Veterans Memorial Stadium, like, which was, let's, I mean, it was the Metrodome without a roof mm-hmm. in terms of just, Cookie it was a, it was it was cookie cutter. Yeah. It was cookie cutter. Yeah. It was a dump. It had bad turf, and it was cold weather city. And could you imagine how those fans were? You walk into a place if you're Manny. They if had you're a, a Cowboys fan, a, and you walk into and you walk into the vet. They had a judge and jail. They had a jail. They had a jail, which is not unprecedented. Yeah. There have been plenty of stadiums, I think, with an incarceration room, basically. But they had a judge. They finally hired a judge to hear cases immediately. That was that was the vet. That was the vet. Well, and the snowballs at Santa Claus, though, is the tamest thing, right? Unless there were batteries in them. But these people are now. I did hear stories. I want to say I heard a story when I was covering the was it the O three. NFC playoff game, the one that the Packers got off to, I think, a 14-zip lead in. Oh, yeah. And Philadelphia came back and won. That was the 4th and 26 game. Yes, it was. Uh, yes, Freddie it was. Mitchell. I want to hear, I heard a story. Uh, somebody, uh, a Packers fan, went in there wearing a pack, uh, wearing a jersey, Packers jersey, and I think left on a stretcher. <laughs> they just beat the guy to a pulp. True, I mean, true story. They are, but... I just, I found it, it was not amusing. I found it interesting last year that in, you're trying to tell people, do, do not wear Vikings jersey. Do no. not, these people, and they take great pride. They take ultimate pride. And I don't, I don't think it's all the sports across the, the board. Now, I'm sure if you get into playoffs, it changes. But the football fan there is out of his or her mind. And they're so drunk and they have no clue. But the fact that they were booing their team at halftime of the game in which they were presented, in, in which they basically, you know, celebrated a Super Bowl title. Just think about the that. The first ever in franchise history. Yes. And they got booed at halftime. And and now I will say the product deserved to be booed. Yeah. I don't think it was, I'd be it was a bad half team. of football, but wow. All right. We will uh, take a break. Uh, don't forget this hour, Chris Singleton, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball analyst extraordinaire, joins us also in the noon hour. We have a scoop with Doogie, at which point we're going to get back to the uh, news involving the Timberwolves <laughs> and uh, what appears to be a, if it's not, if it's not already, a mess in the making. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios uh, right now. Judd and Manny, Chris Singleton, ESPN baseball analyst on the radio. He'll be doing Sunday Night Baseball this week. We'll join uh, next segment. Uh, Manny Hill, give me that spread that you just uh, said off the air about Pittsburgh-Cleveland. So so Sunday, the Steelers are going to start out the season at the Browns, and the Steelers are only favored by four. How, okay, I've got and Pittsburgh has owned the. I mean, we know the Browns yeah. are, are terrible, and well, Pittsburgh's the, got the, the dysfunction. Steelers have owned them for ever. Pittsburgh's got the dysfunction going on right now, which pro- probably hurts them. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much? And Cleveland, Cleveland to me is an interesting team, so I'm not dismissing them. But how much do you think the public perception of them is directly impacted by, by, hard, knocks. by hard knocks? 
I think so, I think some of it, yeah. I think there's there's an anticipation that they could actually be a significantly improved team this year. I don't know. I mean, is Tyrod Taylor like slated as a starter right now? Is Baker Mayfield sitting behind him? Is that yes. how the depth the yep. depth charge is going yep. right now? Baker's the backup. Yeah, I mean, and Tyrod Taylor is a guy that could be, you know, he's he's serviceable. He's not terrible. He'll win you a couple games, maybe. I just wonder how but, much the whole the whole feeling about this team is altered by the fact that we got a very intimate look oh, at them. I, th- for, I think I think the I, I think a big month. part of that, and I and I think when you consider that they went and they traded for Jarvis Landry, and they you know, and there's you you get a chance to watch Hard Knocks, and you kind of get inside their heads and inside their the locker room. Yeah, I, I think that is I think that is a significant part of it. Now they could end up going two and fourteen for all we know. But Yeah, and I don't know I don't know I, I'm I, sold I, on Hugh yet, by the way. Right, me neither. I don't know. I mean he came off you know, he seems like he seems like a decent guy. Yeah. But there's a big leap from being a decent guy and being a being successful a offensive coach. coordinator to be yeah. Wade, yeah. Wade Phillips, I've, right? Right. Great for sure. Great D C Block Declan. Great Great defensive coordinator throughout his career, but man, I never really thought he was much of a head coach. It was it, it, he was interesting too because he remember he was the coach of the Raiders for that one year and they went eight and eight and then they fired him. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking you fired you're you're the Raiders and you fired Hugh Jackson. He goes eight and eight for you when you probably could have been six and ten or five and eleven and you fired him. And then he's then he's a coordinator, and he gets the Browns job, and he's got one one game in two years with the Browns. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know how good a coach he is, but I am intrigued to see if they are better. And I think watching, I haven't watched the entire Hard Knocks run yet, but from the little bit that I have watched, I I do kind of look at them as like you know they might be okay. Now, okay for them is six and ten. I was gonna say if they get to six wins, that's gonna be a big victory for them. Yeah, but you know that division too. I mean, the Ravens, eh? The Bengals, eh? The Steelers are gonna win the division, but the Steelers might only need to win nine, nine or ten games to win that division. So that division is, you know, not wide open, but it's it it's not it's not deep in terms of good teams. So you know, the Browns they might win five or six games. Now, if they and if they and if they do, how do you fire Hugh? If they and they improve now, I mean, part of them being so I, bad is on him. But if you win six games, I don't think you do. Do you? I can't. I can't imagine that they would. If they win four or fewer games, I think they probably do. Now the probably, all, now yeah. now the X factor in, in this entire conversation is that John Dorsey didn't hire Hugh, right? And so he might want to bring in his own guy. But you also wonder if this is like a Philadelphia 76er situation with Brett Brown where, I mean, they, they, they had some bad teams just a couple of years ago and they've stuck with Brett Brown and, you know, they found themselves in the second round of the playoffs this past year battling it out with the Celtics and unless, won 50 games. And unless they get off to a great start, I think that, um, I think that Baker Mayfield starting by about week five, don't you? Yeah. They don't. If they're zero and four or one and maybe say, one they and win, three, if they win one, if they win one game, I think and and the need now to put and I don't agree with with this, but it's definitely the seems to be the going philosophy in this because the fans are going to want to see Baker the need right now away to, too to, to start these kids. Well, it's like Trubisky last year. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Glennon wasn't certainly not great, but they signed him to a fairly substantial contract, fifteen million a year. Yeah, and you could have st- you could have started him for eight, nine, ten games, and I think they pulled the plug. I think Trubisky started against the Vikings was week four, week five, early October, o- right? Early October, I think Halloween. it was. Yeah, so I'm going to find it very, very interesting if Baker Mayfield's still on the bench in week eight or nine. I don't think he he will be. I think he's starting by then. Um, yeah. To also get to your off-the-air point, unfortunately, I think we're going to see, I think throughout the league, including the Vikings-San Francisco game on Sunday, I think we are going to see more ragged football. Oh, yeah. And this gets back to the point of I don't, I'll complain about it, I'll watch it, I'll complain, but I don't know how to fix it. I have no clue on how you fix this with the current system. I'm just looking at some of these matchups too, Judd on Sunday and or even Monday too. Like I'm looking at some of these matchups, like the Bills and Ravens. That that just okay, has but that that has like twelve to nine written I su- all over it. I suggested this to Collar because Titans and Dolphins. Because the Falcons Eagles game in week eight would be a far better product. Mm-hmm. I said to Collar, should we shoot for bad matchups? Early, less than marquee for the first three weeks, because of the games are going to be bad anyway. Yeah, let's well let's get. Yeah, let's not let's not let's early. not pit the defending Super Bowl champions against the team that they beat in the playoffs. Let's have them. So play. it should almost be like college football, is what you're saying. Where it's just an idea. Just you know, so you, yeah, you want you want the Eagles to blow somebody out thirty-eight to seven because no, they're going to play the Browns on. I just uh, want if it's going to be a crappy game, yeah, let's just allow it to be crappy. Like that game last night was crappy. Now it was close. Yeah. So and and that's but you got two teams. It's it's a crappy game between two teams that yes. you figured to be in the mix for and I'm the pretty, playoffs and, and running to the Super Bowl. And I'm convinced if they played in Week Eight or Week Ten, it'd be it'd a really be, it'd be better. It'd be a really compelling game. Yeah, I mean, I, so should we do that? I mean, should should the Bills and Vikings, who, who I believe do play in Week Three, should they be playing on Sunday? What the hell? Just let them because it's you're not you're not gonna have to worry about viewership. Because that's a good point. Yep. Because it's right. it's week one, and people just want their football back. We're all in. We're all in. You're We're right. all ready to go. Yeah. So it might. You know, it the might Titans be a case and to Dolphins. The Titans and Dolphins is gonna. People are gonna watch that. If you're in Miami or, or Nashville, you're gonna watch that because yep. it's week one. You got football back, and even though it's against two crappy teams, it, you know? it, it's just a thought. I just I don't I don't know how to fix the product itself. So my feeling is if it's if we just have to accept the fact that there's going to be a ramp up to it being decent football that we give it 3 weeks of let's not let's not put the best games there. The first third, you know, you're going to play that first Thursday night game. It's going to be the defending Super Bowl champ, but let's make it against a team. And yeah, if they win 38 to 7, that's a bad game, but last night was a bad game. So what you're saying is the Eagles should just host the Vikings on Thursday night and start the season. It's going to be 38 to seven, right? Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's set the uh, set the table for you. Up. By the way, coming up in the noon hour, a scoop with Doogie. At which point we'll talk about the uh, Timberwolves' current predicament. 
Chris Singleton, we are trying to track down right now. He often travels on uh, Fridays, and so there is a there is a good chance that he is traveling today, and uh, we won't track him down, but we'll give him one more shot to talk some baseball, if possible. And if we don't talk baseball, Manny, well, that's okay. A lot of people. I've been getting tweets about the Buxton thing, saying I had to turn the radio. I can't listen to one more thing about Buxton. I got bad news for you. Well, when it comes to the Twins, that's all we got. That's all that's yeah. left. Well, and I'm sorry. This is kind of a big thing. I mean, this is well, this is a guy yes. that was drafted six years ago with the number two overall pick, and the thought that he was going to be a five tool superstar player, and we have not seen that yet we saw a little bit of that for a month and a half two months last season at the end but i mean this season's been a disaster and now he's not being called up for this month and he's supposed to be a cornerstone player for this franchise and it's not working out right now so yeah and besides that your season's completely lost your team your team at this point uh your team stinks and uh so, yes, yes, it can become redundant to talk about his predicament, but his predicament is an incredibly important part it's of huge. this franchise's future. And so to ignore it and to uh, try and talk about how Logan Forsythe is playing at second base really wouldn't make much sense. <laughs> uh, let's get, uh, unless we can track Chris down here, let's get back to these, this Wolves story. Um, mm. Collar found this earlier today. It is from, uh, is it probasketballtalk.com, NBC Sports, uh, subsidiary of NBC Sports. Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves have until 5 p.m. on October 15th, Manny Hill, to agree to a contract extension. The deal wouldn't kick in until 2019-20, so there's plenty of time. But why isn't it done yet? Most max extensions are completed or at least clearly agreed upon by now. Is the report uh, is the reported discord, excuse me, between Towns and Minnesota that significant? That's a question. Brian Winhorst of ESPN has possibly the answer here. To quote Wendy, there's nothing happening right now. The fact that this isn't getting done yet is sort of eyebrow raising. Mm-hmm. To me, I believe he's going to sign it. There's never been a player who hasn't signed it. I will repeat from Brian Winhorst. There's never been a player who hasn't signed this type of contract. The question again will be to me, what type of deal is it? Is it a five is it a full five year extension? Is Cat saying this is where I want to be, or does he take a shorter extension? A five year max contract extension for Towns projects to be worth one hundred ninety million mm-hmm. if he makes an all NBA team or wins defensive player of the year next season, or one fifty eight, oh no, if he doesn't qualify for the super max. But there is also a chance here that a three year max extension could be involved. Or as as was explained, it could end up being what the one year qualifying, qualifying offer. Qualifying offer for ten million, I think. Anyway, long story short, is the Timberwolves might set a precedent here that no one's ever set before, which is someone turning down the full contract. Yeah, and and I I think if you're them, you have to really sit down and ask yourselves, how did we get here with this player? Mm-hmm. How did we get to this point to where we're a month or so away from training camp and the season and getting ready to play meaningful basketball games? We're like a month or so away from this, and we don't have anything done. And, I I mean, this is, I will keep saying it until this issue is not a story anymore. Carl Anthony Towns is the most important 
piece of your franchise. It's not Andrew Wiggins. It's not Jeff Teague. It's not it, it it's not Jimmy Butler, as good as Jimmy is, it's not Jimmy Butler. It's Carl Anthony Towns. And if you are going to have something in your organization that you can sell to free agency, that you can sell, you know, sell to free agents, something that is going to keep you competitive, keep you relevant. You have to you have to make sure that you are in the right place with that person, with mm-hmm. that player. And he is it. He is what you have for if you're if you're looking at trying to be a competitive team five years from now, you gotta have him. He's gotta be a part of that. And I, the, the the fact that they don't have anything, the fact that this is even an issue, Judd, is Really, really mind-boggling to me. Here's a key paragraph from uh, this story. The only way Cat could leave Minnesota quicker than three years is accepting his regular $10 million one-year qualifying offer. That'd be a steep drop from his projected max salary of more than $27 million and come with no long-term security. But, and this is the important but, it would make him an unrestricted free agent in 2019. So this is not a report that this is going to happen, but it is a report that somebody, and, and I, keep in mind, too, when Winhorst writes something like this, he's not bored and just saying, I think I'm going to make something up, or I think I'm, not I'm going smoke. to speculate. He's got really good sources. Yep. He's got agents that talk to him all the time. Mm-hmm. So this steam is all coming from a place of at least a thought process of somebody's camp. This is not coming from a reporter who's saying to himself, it's a slow September day. And so that's why this stuff is important to keep in mind as being not something that's going to happen for sure, but an alternative. And (laughs) the frightening but truthful thing about this is when you read that no player has taken the step before, wouldn't it be Timberwolves like oh. for them to have the first guy to be? Ah, I don't think history you know of what, this I, franchise. I really appreciate it. History but of this no, franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I have been a fan of this franchise since its inception. Basically, since I was a five-year-old kid watching them play games at the Metrodome. You know, I never went to a game at the Metrodome when they played there, but I would watch on TV as a five, six, six-year-old kid, kindergartner, and I've watched them draft Christian Leitner in a year where they should have gotten Shaq or Alonzo Mourning. And I went through the Isaiah Ryder years, and I saw the KG Stefan Marbury dynamic happened and then Steph forced his way out. And then, you know, the years of playoff years were KG sort of dragging a mediocre roster to the playoffs every year. And then the KG era ended and, you know, it was a decade and a half of just futility. So I personally, I'm just, I'm tired of always feeling like, what is going on? I'm t- I'm tired of this. It's 30 years of just right. what is this? Right. Just get something right. Well, and, and you have the- Carl Anthony Towns here. 
Get it right. And the night of the Butler trade, you definitely felt to yourself, okay, they've, re- yeah. they've really got their act together. They made for the, the first trade for Jimmy Butler, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know like the, this franchise has never done anything like this before, and it's going to be fantastic. Manny, here's the. And now here we are a year later. Here's the amazing thing about this town, this sports town. And the Vikings right now, so as far as, as we're concerned, are very good. So this is. So we got that going for us. That's great. I wrote a couple of years ago for our, our website about how we were going through this fantastic renaissance of all these young star potential star players coming up. Buxton and Sunil, Teddy with the Vikings, because mm-hmm. you had your quarterback. And by the way, you had you had the best of both worlds. You found your quarterback, you drafted him, and you had control fairly cheaply for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Four years for sure. At that time. Cat Andrew. Think about that. Yeah. That's a list of right there. Five up and comers who you thought to yourself, man, if three of them make it, this is going to be fantastic. And you expected all five to. Mm-hmm. And we now sit with Sano and Buxton. We have no idea. Yep. We just don't know. Yep. They're not gone, but we we don't don't know. Teddy is gone. Teddy's gone. His knee blew up. Cat is cat's a star, but I think it's very safe to deduct he's an unhappy star, mm-hmm. and Andrew, we just don't talk about. Yeah, like we've just forgotten about him because the cat and Jimmy stuff is so divisive and such a talker, and that's within I think a three year period. Yeah, I I I, I three, just four year I, period. I can't explain it, and on cat specifically, I, I just I don't know how you get to a point this early in somebody's career, and it's already just like. There's there's rumors flying that he wants out. You have a a coach or a teammate who who pushes the guy in the wrong way, and that's why you get here. That's why again it goes back to what I was said. They have to sit down and say how how the hell did we get here? When I was okay, and there's got to be some soul searching and looking in the mirror. Like what am I doing wrong? Twenty five years ago, twenty five years ago, twenty years ago, you looked at a guy like Cat and you said, "Get your act together, like quit pouting, quit whining, Mm -hmm. quit complaining." Listen to your coach. He's going to coach you hard. You're not going to like that too damn bad, right? In this era, you can't do that anymore. No. In 2018, you can't look at a player and say, listen, it's tough love. Shut up and listen to it. Because if you, you lose that, that guy. Yeah, and, and by the way, you now will lose that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you will mentally, he will check out on you. He will be gone. And especially in today's NBA where guys, you know, we are in an era where... Players, all these players, they they get along with each other for the most part, and you've got guys that are really good friends with each other. And Kevin Durant went to the Western Conference Finals with Oklahoma City, and his buddy Russell Westbrook, who we all thought that they were great, tight-knit, close like brothers almost, they were one win away from going to the NBA Finals for the second time. They lost. They blew it, and Kevin Durant went to the team that beat them. Mm-hmm. Like, and nobody thought that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you have a situation with Carl Anthony Towns, he could sign that. He could go with that one year tender, and and hightail it out of here and say, "See you guys later." And, and then what are you going to do? And by the way, if that's the case too, he's not going to call up any of his friends and be like, "Like the goal should be for Carl." To be the guy that calls people. 
Yeah. Right? Hey, come play with me here. This is great. This is great. We got, yeah, it's cold, but who cares? You can own a condo, and you can walk through our Skyway system, and then you're there, and this is this is a really fun environment mm-hmm. or a good team. And right now, I'm sure he's saying, well, let's see, Phoenix looks pretty good. Hey, Billy, what's going on? Hey, uh, going back to that Marbury deal, what really bothered me about him the most is that, first off, we, we, we missed out on Ray Allen because we really wanted him, Marbury. And then I believe... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we had Terry Porter, I think, too, at the time. Mm-hmm. And it also, so we couldn't keep both of them. So we had to get rid of Terry Porter because of Marbury. And then there was something with Gugliotta, too, where he couldn't stay on the team because of, uh, the, you know, some sort of dichotomy with the, between the two. So it wasn't that he left or wanted to be, you know, go. It's that he had a, just a complete five year or whatever that we still haven't recovered from it. Uh, downfall, you know, like a domino effect of what, what he did to this franchise. And uh, I'll see what you say to that. Thanks. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Billy. Well, Gugliotta was on with us on the porch at the State Fair, and we asked him about just, you know, when he left and went to Phoenix and everything, and he, Googs even said, like, that was probably the, I, I regret that. He and KG I, I didn't it. get along, right? I thought Marbury, okay. he never really, he didn't really, he didn't really mention Marbury that. Marbury was jealous of Kevin, and I thought, Go- I thought there was friction with Googs. I don't had he, he never, he never really mentioned that. But I know, like when when Googs left that summer of '98. Remember that was the lockout. Yeah. That ended up that that yep. was followed by the 50 game season and free agency. I think was like three days. Like seventy two hours or something like that, and there was like an offer from the Wolves on the table, and there was an offer from the Suns, and like it just there was like miscommunication, and I think Glenn Taylor was like, I think that was also the summer Glenn Taylor was like sick or something like yeah. that, and yeah, well, so, and that and that was the the Joe Smith, the, yeah, that that yeah. whole thing got, I, yeah. I forget the exact timetable, but I, I want to say that all was woven together in some way. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, you know, Googs ended up in Phoenix and just, you know, the rest is kind of history there. But, yeah, I mean, th- this this thing with Cat, I, you know, we, we've look, we've seen star players leave. Oh. Kyrie Irving was in the NBA Finals with the Cavs three years in a row, I've and got, he wanted out. I'd like to clear something up at, at least. The as, Wolves have to get this right. I'd like to clear something up at least as far as I recall it being 26 at the time regarding Marbury. All right. So the young Wolves fans look at the fact that they drafted Ray Allen and then flipped him for Steph. Mm-hmm. And I think Phil's talked about this too. He said, "Well, if you just kept Ray, it would have been great." I was I was in my mid twenties, and this team hadn't had a point guard or yeah. couldn't find one. And I remember that night we were all everyone. I don't remember anyone questioning that because we all said they got their point guard. It's going to be it's with KG. It's going to be Stockton Malone and here. They had, I don't. But so I don't. There, but there seems to be this revisionist history now. Yeah. Of, I mean, well, I should have made that trade. Kevin McHale. You can't do that. Kevin McHale had a period of time there where he was very effective. Yeah. Now it's hard to believe, and it's long, and it's years and years and, ago. And the thing too with that is, but I was you talking know, to a, Marbury. Marbury was talking about, and this is the hard thing is that you just can never predict how these guys. View things, but remember, Marbury had been talking about how him and KG had this great relationship. They were close friends. Yep. And, oh, I would love to play with him and all that. They so they made it happen. And Steph was a highly touted player coming out of Georgia Tech, and you know he just he got here and changed his tune and 
wanted to go back home to the East Coast. All right. You do. Uh, Plenty more to come, including questions in the noon hour and Doogie with the scoop. That's all ahead. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd is uh, Judd and Manny. Declan producing for the remainder of today's show. I got a question for you, Manny Hill. Yes, sir. Uh, college football, what intrigues you this weekend? Because I'm willing to bet it's not Gophers Fresno State. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb. I'm going, by, by the way. I am, oh, I, I am going to go. So you're yes. going to watch the Bulldogs just sling the ball all I over the place? I want to see what they do. And, yeah. And, uh... I'm curious. Now, PJ, of course, is trying to sell them as a combination of the 75 Steelers, the late 80s Niners. But I, uh, I'm curious to see. Last week told me... Nothing about the Gopher football program. Mm-hmm. Annexted looked good, and that's a great start for a kid. But the overall, the totality of that game told me nothing. So I'm curious. But what is uh, actually appealing from a national standpoint? Well, I think there's a couple of matchups that I'm looking at. I think Georgia and South Carolina has a chance to be really good. Georgia's really, really good again. I mean, you know, they they're they're they've lost a few guys off of the. National runner-up team from last year, but they're still uh, they're still very good. They're ranked third in the country. South Carolina, I think, is looking for you know Will Muschamp is coaching there now. Used to be at Florida, and uh, you know I think they're kind of hoping to have kind of a good eight or nine win season. Maybe uh, USC Stanford, I think, is going to be really fun because Stanford is where's that one? Is that that's at Stanford? Okay, um, Stanford is really really good, and you know, and USC is you know. Clay Helton, for all that went down with like Lane Kiffin and and all of that stuff, and that whole thing was just that thing just ended poorly. But you know, Clay Helton's done all right, and they're they're thought to be pretty good, even though they lost Sam Darnold after last year. So freshman quarterback, right? I believe so. At, yeah, true freshman. I think I think he's I think he's a redshirt. I think he's a redshirt. I don't know a whole lot about him, but um, yeah. But I will tell you this: this week will be this week will be pretty good. Next week. Ohio State. It'd be the third game uh, after uh, Urban Meyer, the third game of Urban Meyer's suspension. Mm-hmm. They're at TCU. And that's going to be the one I think that a lot of people are going to have an eyes on because he's not going to be coaching that game. And that's going to be like the first real test that they're going to have. So when's our season? When's our bad week of, of college football? It used to be week one, but it's not now. What's the do? Do we have like a week four that's awful? Uh, I want to say there was one week three or four last year had one of those had nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, because sometimes it'll depend on if like Alabama is either off or they're playing like some FCS because Alabama does that sometimes. Though they'll yes, that was they'll, they'll have the year. tough game early, <laughs> yes. but then like week four or five they'll play like the Citadel or something or some FCS school that they blow out of the water and mm-hmm. Nick Saban disingenuously tries to hype up how, how like oh yeah we you know we you know you guys you guys think you guys uh you guys might take a week off when we play these teams but we don't we don't take you I know we, we take these teams seriously I hope he's calmed down this week yeah well he's you know he's a he's a terrific coach probably the greatest college college football coach ever but man is he salty when he doesn't really need to be he just does not need to be Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, the I thing last don't... weekend was ridiculous. Oh, it was it was it was, it was absurd. Stupid. And and he just 
why he's so defensive is just beyond me. You don't have to control free. No, nobody is like questioning what you do. Like just they're just asking you questions and you act like, how dare you ask me that question about my quarterbacks? Well, you benched one in the national championship game. And, well, what what and are her, we supposed to do? And her question was completely relevant, completely relevant, on completely point, fair, and very and and it was a very smart question. Yes, like it was. Uh, okay, we're through one game. The assessment. I mean, it wasn't a difficult question to think up, but it was not in any way, shape, or form an inflammatory question. So, who who do your vols got on? My vols. Are your vols in action? I yeah. Well, they they were in action. Kind of last week. Uh, chill, well, Chip, <laughs> Chipper came away saying the quarterback for the opponent last week was really good, and that's yeah, he, uh, he yeah. I'm Saturday. They're playing uh, ETSU. I think that's Eastern Tennessee State. Oh boy, something like that. Oh boy, your balls are gonna roll it up in that one. Well, they, you know, Guantano, the the youngster that they're starting at quarterback now, he's got some talent, but. I don't know. I, I'm I'm my my hopes are not high for my balls this year. It's gonna be very. My fear is going to be very gopher-like. Uh, questions is next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.